0: Melech, melech, prophet, prophet, king, ba, 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 dining the so same say L'chaim, l'chaim. <laughs> okay, one second. Okay, good, people are coming aboard here. Okay, so we're going to start with something hopefully everyone knows, but most likely uh, it might just go like, whoop right over our heads, is today is the 25th day of Elo, which means that according to tradition, creation is beginning today. Today is the first day of creation, even though we tend to think of it as Rosh Hashanah, but we all know that Rosh Hashanah is really the sixth day of creation, commemorates the sixth day of creation and creation begins from today. So I just wanna bless everyone right off the bat that we should connect to this energy of of creation, recreation, and we should integrate it so deeply that we are renewed at our very, very source. So I'm I'm gonna try to give over a few Torahs about the 25th of Elo, So we could really, really connect to this energy and hopefully the whole rest of the week leading up to Rosh Hashanah, that we should be aware that this is when creation is actually happening and we should connect to that energy. So in Kabbalah and Hasidut, it's explained that Rosh Hashanah is 45 days after Tuba'av. It's exactly 45 days after Tuba'av. So, what's the significance of this? So, first of all, in the, the Talmud, there is a very long and fascinating and detailed discussion as to when actually God created the world. We have two traditions. One tradition is God created the world in Tishrei, like we're used to uh, observing, celebrating with Rosh Hashanah. But there's an equally strong opinion that the world was created in Nisan, exactly six months before. Now we know that Rosh Hashanah is the new year of years, but Nisan is the new year of months. And there's actually this incredible uh, discussion as to which, in which date w- was the world created. The Gomorrah ends apparently without, like, making a clear statement as to which one is right. Now we know that we've been celebrating Rosh Hashanah for thousands of years as the for as the birthday of the world is creation. But it wasn't until about approximately 800 years ago that a, that Rabbeinu Tam, like, explained how we can see both of the, the, these opinions as being true. And this is what we basically hold, is that the world is created in thought on Rosh Hashanah And in actuality, in Nissan. So again, it's different than many people think of it. That there's, in a sense, two levels of creation. One in thought and one in deed. We go through this all the time. We have a thought of something that we want to do or accomplish. And it could be a day later, a week later, a year later. It could be... 20 years later that we actually accomplish what we thought about. So it doesn't come as a surprise that there are these two different levels. There's the creative process of thought, the creative process of actually doing something. So I'm mentioning all of this because if 45 days before Rosh Hashanah was tuba of, so the word for machshava, or uh, um, yep, yeah, right for machshava is choshev ma. The idea of thought literally means to to think of ma, of something, of what, of whatness, of essence. So. The word ma equals 45. So as it were, when when does the thought arise in God's mind to create the world? And 45 days before, khoshev ma, God's thought of creation on tuba of. Now this is an amazing... Idea. It's an amazing idea. Why? Is it, it relates to today because the we know that forty five days after Tuba of is Rosh Hashanah, but that's the sixth day of creation. What was created on the sixth day? Adam. What is the numerical value of the word Adam? Forty five. Ma. Choshev. Ma, that God, when, he, when God was creating the world, the whole purpose was to create Adam. Adam is the last of the creations, but like we say in Shabbos, Sof ma'aseh, the end of deed is the first in thought that the D comes from first and thought. So this, this, this gives us a, a very deep connection to the creator of the world, that God created the world for Adam, for us. But we're gonna go one step deeper here. Now, if today is the first day of creation so what's the relationship of, of Tuba Av to today 40 days there are 40 days between Tubaav and the Chaf He Elo Now what do we say about 40 days so one of the traditions that we have is 40 days before the formation of an embryo a voice goes out in heaven and says, this neshama is meant for that neshama. This is what's called soulmates. And this is quoted very, very often. This idea that 40 days before a soul is, is uh, formed, already, in a sense, it is, it's, it's paired with another soul. So if you're following me, so what I'm going to say next is just an awesome idea about Tubaab. What, what do we think about on tuba'av? It's the time where young men and young women get together. The women go down, they dance in, in, the, in the vineyards, and the men follow, and shiduchim happens. It's the, the day of love in, in, in Israel today. This, this holiday, which was almost forgotten in a sense, is being, in a sense, resurrected. And now it's here, it's called the holiday of love. And of course, this year it didn't happen um, because of the pandemic. But on Tubab now, there are festivals all over Israel now of music and bringing young people together. So what are we saying in a very deep level? 40 days before today on Tuba of a voice came out of heaven and God is saying, the Jewish people are my soulmate. So this is a whole different idea of Tuba Av. It's a very, very, awesome idea here, that 40 days, on 40 days ago, on Tuba'av, the the soulmate energy between the creator of the world and, and Am Yisrael, uh, a voice went out in heaven and established that. So this is very, very important to keep in mind as we go into the Chagim, and we'll discuss this more, but the, the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are called Yamim and norayim, the days of awe. But we, we, and we're very uh, focused on judgment and din, but we shouldn't forget that underneath all of this is that we want to strengthen our relationship with Hakadosh Kaddish Baruch Hu. But that is far more important than the idea of, of the judgment. I remember that one time someone asked Reb Shlomo, I was there, asked, Reb Shlomo, after all of the davening of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur What's the bottom line? What are we trying to get to? What are we trying to accomplish here? So Reb Shalom, I remember, he really thought about it. He didn't answer him like like really quickly. And then he said, bottom line is we want to be able to open our hearts and to say to Hashem, Rabboni Sha'olam. I want to be so close to you, please let me be close to you, that's what I want, I want to be close to you. Rabbi Shlomo said that if a person can get to that mental, emotional, spiritual place, all the judgment of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it will it, happen, it will happen, but we have to remember what, what we're trying to accomplish here. And so, 40 days ago, Tuba Abha, a voice went out of heaven saying, we are soulmates forever. So, that's just a, a beautiful idea. Very, very beautiful idea. Okay, so now we're going to move to a, a different idea about creation. Uh, the first part of the class is we want to connect to Chaf Hei And we're going to look at the last verse in the Torah. The last verse in the Torah says all the miracles and wonders that Moshe did in the eyes of all of Israel. And the Torah ends. The Torah ends with saying that Moshe did these great miracles and wonders in the eyes of all of Israel. And then on Simcha's Torah, we will begin again from Bereshit. Bereshit bara elokim at the arts So really, Bereshit and the whole first day of creation is happening today. That's why I chose to speak about this. So in Hasidut, I mean in general, and Rashi does this a lot, what's called juxtaposition. Many, many, many times in the first Rashi of a Parsha, he'll say, what's the connection between the end of the previous Parsha and the beginning of this Parsha? Other times, <clears throat> a, a mitzvah is given. Sometimes, as you know, that there are certain Parsha's where mitzvah after mitzvah are given, and it's not 100% clear what's the connection between the different mitzvah. And again, Rashi will say, why is this mitzvah next to this mitzvah? they will give an answer. It's called juxtaposition. So in Hasidut, many people read the last words of the Torah together with the first words of the Torah. Be'enei call Yisrael bereshit bara In the eyes of all of Israel, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this goes along with the Torah that we just gave, a very deep connection, is this idea that since the soul is an actual part of God above, mimaal mamash, an actual part of God above, so we can understand the midrash that says that when God wanted to create the world, He took advice; He discussed it with the souls of the tzaddikim. So all the commentaries ask, "What tzaddikim?" <laughs> There's no creation. There are no souls. What is the Midrash talking about? Who did he take advice from? Who did he consult? And so one of the answers is he consulted with the future souls of the Tzaddikim. But where were they? Well, they they were actually a part of God. So this Midrash is describing what we'll call an inner dialogue that God is having with himself, with the the future. And so what we learn from this is that, in a sense, we were at the creation. In the eyes of all of Israel, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There's a part And we have to dig very, very, very deep in our neshamas. But we actually do this every Shabbos. Every Shabbos when we make Kiddush, we are testifying that God created the heavens and the earth. So the obvious question is, how can we give testimony if we weren't there? I can say, I see the results of creation, and I, I believe that God did it, But it's deeper than that. We're giving testimony that we know that God created the heavens and the earth. Would it be that the whole world knew this? That's one of the things we heed for in Rosh Hashanah, that the whole world will recognize and acknowledge God as king, God as creator. So this idea that in the beginning we were there, Our souls on some deep, 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 deep level. And this, without getting into it, um, this is the the secret of one of Rabbi Nachman's stories of the seven beggars. In one of the stories, there's a group of people, and each one tried to say the first thing they remember. And each one, it gets more and more primordial until they're talking about, in a sense, remembering even before there was creation. And then the youngest of them said, I remember all of this, and I remember nothing at all. And they all went, whoa, (laughs) he must be really, in a sense, the oldest of all of us, even though he appears to be the youngest, because he remembers what's called yesh me'ayim, something from nothing. So there's a part in all of our, our nishamas that remembers not just the yesh of creation, but the nothingness that precedes, the primordial nothingness that precedes. So that's one understanding, but We look at Rashi, and he explains what was it that that Moshe did in the eyes of all Israel. It just says all the miracles and wonders that Rashi did. So the Rashi is very surprising, because we would think he would say Moshe performed the the, the 10 plagues. He brought water from a rock. He split the sea. But that's not what Rashi says. Rashi says, what what was the great wonder that he did in the eyes of all of Israel? He broke the Luchot. He broke the tablets of the law when he came down and he saw the golden calf. So what what is Rashi alluding to? And I have to mention here that there is a tradition that Rashi wrote his perush, beruach hakodesh with divine inspiration. And one of the understandings of divine inspiration, in fact, some people might have a, a, my book, I wrote a whole book on prophecy and divine inspiration, but one of the khalim, one of the general principles of divine inspiration, whether it's in Tehillim, whether it's in the the words of the Nevi'im, the the prophets, and the the writings of the Ketuvim, that when a person writes from a place of Ruach HaKodesh, they don't always know the full um, ramifications of what they're saying. It's coming through them. They're inspired to say certain words or express certain ideas, emotions, But because it's coming from Ruach HaKodesh, it's not really coming from them per se, it's coming through them. So there's some deep allusions to what Rashi is saying. It's not clear at all on, let's call it the Pshat, why Rashi chose to say that that's that's the miracle and wonder that he did in the eyes of all of Israel. That's the last Rashi in the Chumash that he broke the, the tablets. But what this is alluding to is something very deep. When we start the Torah and say, bara in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. According to Kabbalah, this means this creation, Olamatikun. But what about all the previous worlds? That comes before. Hareshit begins what's called Olamatikun. So what comes before? What's called Olamatohu, the world of, of chaos. Why is it called the world of chaos? Is because the lights were so exalted, so pure, so godly. The, the initial vessels of creation could not properly hold them and they shattered in what's called shvirata keling, in the breaking of the vessels. And according to the Arizal, our world, and this, this goes so far in explaining the nature of this world, this world is made up of the broken pieces of the previous world. Just like the teachings of reincarnation is that this time, We are trying to fix things that we didn't fix properly in the previous time. It's not a punishment. It's an opportunity. It's a great chesed. The word for reincarnation in Hebrew is Gilgul, which equals 72, which equals chesed. It's actually considered a chesed that God gives us another chance. Just like on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, God gives us another chance, new year, to get it right. That's why there's tshuva, there's forgiveness, there's atonement. So we have another chance. This is a great chesed. So this world is made up of the broken pieces of the previous world. So now you can understand Rashi on a very deep level, that he's alluding the breaking of the tablets. Is symbolic of the breaking of the vessels. Why? Only 40 days before, again the number 40, only 40 days before Amusol stood at Harsini and had a once-in-a-history revelation of, of, of God. But obviously, as frail human beings, are vessels were not strong enough. In fact, we know that after the first two commandments that we heard directly from God, the people came to motion said, "You, you, you talk to God. We, it's too much for us." And even God said, "That's yeah, okay. They're, they're, in a sense, they're right. The revelation at Sinai was was beyond any." any experience we can really explain. That's why the midrash says that every word that God spoke, their, their neshamas left their bodies and angels had to come and bring back the, the souls. So the breaking of the vessels is in a sense, a mirror image of the breaking, uh, to the, the breaking of the Luchot, The tablets is is a mirror image of the breaking of the vessels. So now we can understand why in Kabbalah and Hasidut they say read the end of the Torah along with the beginning. So we know that the last, everyone quotes this, the last letter in the Torah is a lamed the last letter of the word Yisrael. And the first letter of the Torah is a bet. So of course this spells out lev, a a heart, a good heart. And we could add, when we said before, what's the, the bottom line of Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur? Very, very similar to well, we could ask, what, what what's the ultimate purpose of the, of the seven weeks of, of to Omer? So there are 49 days of the Omer, and 49 equals the expression lev tov, a good heart. So what are we, what are we supposed to accomplish during Sphira to Omer, when all is said and done, to develop a good heart? What is the Torah all about? What is Olama Tikkun all about? A good heart. That's why when Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asked his five top students, what's the best way for a person to act in the world? What's the correct attitude to have? And they all gave their answers and Elazar Ben Arach said, Lev Tov, a good heart. And Rabbi Yochum and Zakkai said, I like his answer the best because all the other answers were incorporated in that. Lev Tov. But listen to this. We have this expression. I'm sure everyone's heard. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart devar nishbar. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. Of course, that's a very paradoxical statement. But at this time of year, when we are connecting to creation, we're connecting to chuva. And the, as hopefully we'll get to in a few minutes, the sounds of the shofar. The shvarim and the trua are crying sounds. That's what the, the, the chazal sages tell us. It's a cry from the heart. So the beginning of creation is linked, is juxtaposed to the breaking of the vessels. So when we want to do tshuva, when we want to make new vessels for a new year, part of making those vessels is to break our hearts a little bit. In fact, the Ari said, anyone who doesn't cry at least one tear on Rosh Hashanah, like didn't get it. Now remember, crying a tear does not mean being depressed or sad. It's just connecting to the awesomeness of the day, the awesomeness of the presence of Hashem, and the idea of judgment. That's what we're gonna discuss in in another few minutes. And we're, in a sense, temporarily overwhelmed with the energy of the day. And it leads to at least one one tear. So this is a very, very beautiful idea, this this connecting the end of the Torah with the beginning of the Torah, especially today, because today is So again, I have to emphasize, a broken heart does not mean depression or sadness or low self-esteem or defeatism or any of that. It just means Sometimes when we look at ourselves, we it look breaks. at the world around us, that we are very aware of how much brokenness there is in the world. So I want to end this with just one more idea. Uh, it's a very simple idea, but also very awesome. When we say Barreshiet, bara Elokim, In the beginning, God created. The word for created, bara, is the same root of the word to heal. Briyut. La (laughs) briyut. You want to bless someone to have good health, la briyut. So I learned this from Rob Ginsburg. So he said the other way of reading the first verse of the Torah is, is along with, not instead of, but along with, in the beginning God created, is in the beginning God began to heal. So you ask, what is there to heal? It's, it's a new creation. Ah, this is taking into account the previous world and the breaking of the vessels. So this world begins with healing, and that's why and especially today, we need to really, really emphasize that the, the, the one of the strongest messages that we we as, as the Jewish people can bring to the world is the idea of tikkun olam and of healing, especially now where not only do we need physical healing, but... Uh, So many people have been so stressed out and so challenged the last six months. I can't remember a time where the whole world needs a complete healing, a total healing. I have to just jump in here. Alana, am I seeing that you have your arm in a cast? So I'm going to say I just I just noticed I'm going to say Rafa <laughs> Schlema. I just noticed that. I'm sorry I didn't see it before. <laughs> but just as I'm saying it, I, I see Rafa <laughs> <laughs> Shleima. Complete healing. Okay. So one last thing, it says in Tehillim that God is close to those with a broken heart. So we might think that if our hearts are broken, God doesn't want to hear about it. It's just the opposite. God not only wants to hear about it, but He in a sense is a big part of the healing is to somehow bring a consciousness of whatever we're going through, that there is some purpose and there is a higher a tikkun that is being made here, even if we're not aware of it or we can't discern exactly what it is, just knowing that God is with us. And that's why in a number of Tehillim it says God is with those with a broken heart. Okay, now we, we have about 20 minutes left. Maybe we'll go extra few minutes, we'll see. What we want to try to understand here is contemplating the the interchange, the um, commonality between judgment and compassion that is going on during the 10 days of Tshuva from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. And even already, I should point out that we need a bit of a paradigm shift, but in a certain sense, right now is when the judgment is happening. Rosh, Rosh Hashanah already is, is it's not too late, that's for sure. We have to Yom Kippur. But many people think the whole thing happens in Rosh Hashanah. I think we've discussed this already. No, that's why we were giving a whole, whole month of Elo is in a sense, this is when the tshuva should be happening. We get to Rosh Hashanah, we're told that if we did the hezbon and nefesh that we need to do down here, there's very little that they need to do up there on Rosh Hashanah. So we should all take advantage of this last week. And this is, re- this is like the nitty gritty of, of trying to make the changes that we want. And of course, Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur, we have another 10 days. But why why put off chuva until then? Like, there's no advantage to putting off doing chuva. Doing so one of, the, one of the images that we have from Chazal, from the sages, is that our plea on Rosh Hashanah is that God should get up from his Kisei Hadin, his throne of judgment, and to sit on his throne of compassion. This is one of the themes that runs through the, the, the 10 days, that there is a judgment happening, we're aware of it. There's not, in a sense, there's nothing we can do about it. That's why it says in Pirkei Avah, we're born against our will, we are judged against our will, we die against our will, and we'll be judged in the world to come against our will. This is not something that we can um, decide that we're for or against. It is part, just like there are laws of nature, physical laws of nature, there are spiritual laws. And the spiritual law is that there is a judge and there is a judgment. This is just part and parcel of of Jewish thought. There is a judge and there's a judgment. But what we want to understand is that judgment and compassion are not exclusively opposites. In fact, our whole belief system, which is encapsulated in the Shema, is that Hashem Elokeinu. Elokeinu, of course, is Elokim yud kei we are always taught, it is the aspect of, of love and chesed and compassion. And Elohim is din and judgment and borders and order. But what are we saying in, in Shema? Hashem Echad. God is one. So that is one of the biggest avodas of the life in general, because we're all challenged pretty much 24-7. There, there's, no, like, there's no escape, in a sense, from the realities of this world. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be joyous, doesn't mean we shouldn't be optimistic, but does anyone know anyone who doesn't have challenges? Does anyone know even a day going by without some some little quirk some something? I know a lot of times when I go on on, on vacation that sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes if I can get through a day or two and just kind of cut loose of the world, everything in it, and just just enjoy life in the moment, I, I, I'm so grateful. Usually within, you know, two or three days, there's an email, there's a phone call, there's hasr there's sholem, this happens, this happens, whatever. That's life. But the, the, the laws of the universe are, uh, we call them judgment, we call them Gevurah, but in truth they're really chesed. Can anyone imagine if even for a split second God would abrogate the laws of gravity? <laughs> Can anyone like picture the scene, <laughs> like everyone is flying off the planet? Like just, in other words, the laws of nature are, are good. When people make borders in their life, when people make uh, order, make priorities, make uh, a, a, a Seder, what's called Seder Ad the uh, priorities. This is a good thing. It might look like Gevura, but but it's good. So, one of the deepest hints is the the name Elohim, which again, we always uh, associate with Din and Judgment. If you look at the first two letters of the name Elohim, that is the name of God in of itself, Aleph Lamed. Aleph Lamed is always associated with chesed. We have two verses, chesed ke'el The goodness of God is all the day. And the other one is, olam chesed yibaneh. God created the world with chesed. But if you look at the story of Bereshit, the only name that is mentioned is Elohim. The first telling of the story, 32 times, the name Elohim. Now, here, we get into a deep understanding of Rosh Hashanah. Because Rashi tells us that after the six days of creation in Shabbat, the Torah goes back and begins, in a sense, what's called the second telling of the story. Toldot Behi Biyom alukim eretz These are the generations of heaven and earth in their creation on the day that God created earth and heaven. So first of all, it should be pointed out the word Behi Baram in their creation. There's a small hey. And in the Gomorrah, it says, if you take the letters of Behi Baram and you switch them around, it spells Be-Avraham. What is the attribute of Avram that we always associate with Avram is chesed. But if you notice in this in this verse, in the first, it's the first time that the name Yudke Vavke is mentioned. So Rashi tells us that a famous midrash, in the beginning, God wanted to create the world only with ha-din, only with the attribute of judgment, meaning everything would work like clockwork. And like we said, there's a tremendous custom to that. What, if we didn't have the laws of nature, there would be no life, there would be no existence. The laws of nature allow existence in life to happen. But when God said, but when God saw that the world could not exist with just din he was ref He brought in chesed. So the question is, when did God bring in the chesed? When we read the story the first time, only the name Elohim appears thirty-two times. Where do we see the yud kevavke? So one way of answering is that until God created humanity, the world could work according to the laws of nature. But once God saw that Adam ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if the world was only run by din, God already said, on the day that you eat from it, you'll die but we see that he didn't die why didn't he die because there, there was compassion there was you get another chance you get to fix it olamatikun but then we have so according to this idea god only introduced compassion as it were an afterthought that's what, that's what the Midrash says. God wanted to create the world from mida to Deni. But he saw it couldn't exist like that. So he added compassion. So we can understand that the compassion is because of man. But we have, at the same time, a, I already quoted it, olam chesed yibanei. God created the world from chesed. So you'll say, well, which one is it? Did God create the world from chesed? Or did he create it from din, from judgment? And the answer is, they're the same thing. Now this it takes a lot of contemplation, especially in our own lives. Because when things aren't going the way that we would like them to go, it's not always easy to see the chesed that is there. That's where the, the real test comes. When everything's going well, I see God's chesed and I, I see the laws of nature and everything's working just, just fine. <clears throat> but when push comes to shab, that's, that's when we have to really try to see how chesed and gavura how Yudke, Vavke, and Elohim work together. They're not not separate. They work work together. Now, this idea, the truth is, we could develop this much, much greater, but I want to get to the deep connection of Rosh Hashanah because this leads to how does the judgment on Rosh Hashanah actually work? it's highly paradoxical, and it's, it needs a lot of contemplation. Because if we say that the whole year is judged on Rosh Hashanah, then we have to ask, well, where does free will come in? If everything is already decided on Rosh Hashanah, like, well, is, is free will a sham? It like, What am I doing? (laughs) It's all been decided. What's the point? So that's the question we have to ask. Now that is not the answer, but it's definitely the question. How does free will fit in here? So that's part of what Elul is about. We have free choice. Now is when we're trying to exercise our free choice to do tshuva. Now is the time that we can affect the din. The din that comes down on Rosh Hashanah is like the laws of nature. In other words, nature works very, very uh, precisely with what we call Mida Kanegi Mida. In science, it's called for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. This is a law of science. We apply it spiritually all, all the time. There's so many stories in the Torah, we can't can't go in, into them right now. But I think people know in their own lives that so many times something happens to us and we make an immediate connection. Ah, I know why that is happening to me. It's because of X, Y, and Z. We, we make that connection. We see the meter. Connected Mita that is happening. So on Rosh Hashanah, there is a judgment and it's very, very orderly. And what is it made up of? It's made up of our thoughts, our speech, and our action of the previous year. That's what it means that God opens the books on Rosh Hashanah and in, in Unatana Tokav, in Musaf. We say, and the signature and the handwriting of each person is recorded in the books. So many people think that as it were, as it were, there's some heavenly scribe that is writing down all of our thoughts and our speech and our action. And on Rosh Hashanah, it's given to God and God, sees all of it, and the judgment happens based on what we've done the previous year. But Musaf of Rosh Hashanah tells us slightly different, but it's a huge difference. It says the handwriting of each person is what's writing in the book. In other words, if we use the image of a computer, it's as if, as if, these books that are open, this is a computer program. And what is the program made up of you and me and everyone else? It's, it's based on software that each person inputs. Every thought, every speech, and every action is inputted automatically. It's automatically, but it's our thoughts. It's our speech and it's our action. So it's our signature, it's our handwriting. So in in a deep sense, we create our own judgment. That's why they say, what is a person's world to come like? Well, whatever we made out of this world, that will determine what our world to come is. It's not like it's superimposed on us. We create our world to come. So, as far as <clears throat> free will and determinism, there is a level that things are determined on Rosh Hashanah based on what we've done. And so, like in any any science or any uh, discipline, we the past creates the future, causes, create effects. That's how things work. Now the question is, what about the rest of the year? Okay, it's now been decided because of everything I did in the previous year, perhaps everything I did in my whole life, perhaps everything I did in all my previous incarnations, that is going to determine what my year is going to be like. So and perhaps maybe the, the most important statement of all of Rosh Hashanah is Uta Shuva, Utafila, Ut Siddhaka, Mavirin et Roa Aghizira. Shuva, repentance, prayer, and charity has the power to change any decree. This is true even on Rosh Hashanah, when the judgment is being made. If we haven't done tshuva, and we do what's called instant tshuva on Rosh Hashanah, we have the power to change the decree. Now what happens the rest of the year? So in we'll call it in miniature, this principle still, is in effect, that a sentence can be uh, delivered. A person could be sent, let's say, to jail and have a specific sentence, five years, 10 years, 20 years, life. And then during those years, something could happen. New evidence could come up. You read it in the paper all the time. Unfortunately, all the time, people who languish in jail for many, many years, all of a sudden new evidence comes up and it turns out that they were innocent and they're set free. So this is the secret of free will, that even once the judgment has been set, it doesn't mean that we no longer have any input whatsoever. We do have input. When it does get tricky, though, and Rabbi Nachman talks about this, I know the Ischbitzer talks about this, the Rambam talks about this, there are certain times when a decree comes down when it can't be changed. And Rabbi Nachman talks about this, that that a person has to try to discern when it's before judgment and when it's after judgment. I'm just gonna take an example. I'm not sure it's the best example, but let's say that uh, someone is diagnosed with cancer. And so they ask, well, how long do I have? And the doctor will say, it's hard to tell, but it seems like three to six months. You should make preparations. Now everyone knows that many, many people who get this kind of diagnosis live longer than that, sometimes many years longer than that. So here's a decree in a sense, a person is decreed they have cancer, but it doesn't mean totally. And then there are other times when it gets to a certain stage that, It appears to be after the judgment. And then it's better for a person to adjust their thinking process in order to, let's say, uh, tie up all the loose ends. I'm not sure this is the best example, but it actually works. It actually works. So one thing I didn't mention before when we were discussing, and and with this we'll, we'll try to tie it up, and then as always, we will um, open it up for people's questions or comments. Just ask you know, that people uh, unmute one at a time. That we were discussing, like when, when was compassion brought into the picture of creation? So we have a statement that one of the things that was created before the world is tshuva. So if tshuva is created before the world, it must mean that God already had planned on introducing compassion. Because again, a person does something wrong, if there was only straight uh, measure for measure kind of judgment, there's no room to, to fix it. You did this, this is what happens, but we're told that tshuva was created even before the world, and we learned in the beginning of the class that our has also come, in a sense, before this world. That is the power of chuva. and that's why we say "Ein devar omed lifnei chuva. and there's a, a parallel statement: "Ein devar lifnei haratzon." There's nothing that stands in the way of tshuva, and there's nothing that stands in the way of will. But it's obvious that will and tshuva go together. A person doesn't do tshuva lightly. It means um, expressing and manifesting a deep sense of ratzon, of will. I am going to change. I am going to do better. I'm going to introduce this to my life. I'm going to improve this way or that way. That only happens with ratzon, with will. So hopefully, I gave everyone a lot to think about. Uh, What we discussed today has many, many, many (laughs) ideas associated with it, but I hope that it will give us food for thought. And I'll just end with a, a blessing for a, a, a new year, a year full of good health, of Chaim, of a good life, of, of nachas from children and grandchildren. And you. Okay. we should see peace in the world.